All right. Welcome to season two of the Game Dev Show. Not our sophomore album. This is going to be not a sophomore slump. Season two, back and better than ever. Mm, right? Yep. The, ta- the Taylor Swift of podcasting, as we've been called. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just called us that. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, self-proclaimed. Um, self-proclaimed yeah. Taylor Swift of podcasting. Kaylee Hurst and Luke Greenaway. Greetings. This isn't a filler your hosts, season. Your friends, your... That's um, it really now. Yeah, hosts host and friends. friends. Yeah, hosts and friends. Great guests. <laughs> Will. Okay, yeah. So our guest this week, Will Rauma. His name potentially is pronounced Veal, but uh, he did say we could call him Will, so I'm going with Will. Mm, yeah, safe. How did you find out? It was great. I think my favorite part, and I say this during the episode, he used this word tinkering. Um, <laughs> it's so funny because I hear that word all good, the time. <laughs> It's not like I don't know that word. It's just a good word for that like stage. It's just like, a, it's a good word for that stage in your creative process where you're just like messing around with a thing. Mm. And and so he said that in the context of this game development funnel that he's been sort of instrumental in creating. And that part of the conversation was my favorite part. Nice. Um, yeah, I get that. I like to tinker. You know, I think a lot of people... T- what do you tinker with, sir? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know... <laughs> So no. Anyway, should we crack on? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's get into it. I made Luke uncomfortable. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's start at the beginning. Can you tell us about where you grew up, what you were like as a kid, and how you got into games? Yeah. So um, I'm I'm from a place called Tornio in uh, Lapland province. Beautiful pronunciation. (laughs) Yeah, we we like our R. So yeah. ours in Finland and in Lapland province. So it's up north in Finland. It's like a 900 kilometers from Helsinki, if you know Helsinki. It, it's a like interesting place because it, it's a border city, uh, just like on the Swedish border. So basically there's just a bridge. There's no like any kind of proper like border. There's no checks or anything. You just drive past and then you're in Sweden. So it's kind of like one of those kind of unique places in that sense. And as a kid, it's it was super common to go to Sweden, get some candy because there's different prices, there's different things, interesting things. Nowadays, everything is quite easily available. But back then, like in the 80s, it's, it's like Swedish people would have totally different candy, totally different ice cream, yeah. you know. <laughs> all no, the same things growing kids. up in the US, just going to Canada to get candy. That was all I cared about. Yeah. It wasn't even like the one I remember with, I think it's called an Aero bar and it's basically like a Hershey's milk chocolate bar, but with bubbles in it, yeah. not bubbles that do anything when you eat them, just like <laughs> empty spaces. So yeah, foreign candy, nothing better. <laughs> yeah. And also like, I guess one, one point is because it's Finland, it's quite cold. Uh, and there's like the river, which is Torneo river, which is between the uh, Haparanda, which is the Swedish city and then Torneo. It ices over, and then we had a snowmobile, so you could oh, take the snowmobile fun. and drive over the river and go to Sweden to get candy. Oh my God, <laughs> you're selling me on this. That sounds so fun. Yeah. Take the snowmobile to Sweden to get foreign candy. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's one of those things that you realize that are super weird to everybody when you're adults. <laughs> yeah. You never yeah. thought about it as a kid, like it's ordinary for you, but for everybody else. Oh, that's like... cool. I like that story. <laughs> yeah. And, so, so um, I went to primary school and high school there. Basically, what I really liked to do as a kid, I, I, I read like tons and tons. I, I've always been a big reader, like fantasy, sci-fi, everything like that. And I guess games kind of naturally fall into the similar category. That like the first time I saw a proper kind of game, I think was like when I was six or seven years old at my cousin's place, and I went to this birthday party, and there was a uh, Everybody was like around this TV and was like, what's going on? And they were playing R-Type on Commodore 64. <laughs> so that was kind of when I kind of fell in love, <laughs> I think. <laughs> the music and, and everything, it was so cool. And I, you, I don't know if you probably know R-Type, but that, that's mm. like very one of the very beautiful games on Commodore 64. They, they kind of nailed the, the graphics really well. Uh, but then, then I just had to have it, of course. <laughs> it's like uh, then starts the kind of you know pleading and all that with with the parents. Like, did you I, I, did it work? Did you get a Commodore? 
Yeah, not right away, but like maybe okay. a year later, like what actually happened is my father bought the Commodore 64 off my cousin and he went on to, I think, Amiga or something mm-hmm. like that. But but basically, and then he had like a, a literal like sack full of like the games, like there was like probably <laughs> yeah. two, 200 or something like cassettes. So there's a lot to go through. But yeah, that's like kind of how I got started. <laughs> that's great. So then how did you end up working in the games industry? Can you tell us about that progression? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's also like one of those things that I never dreamed of actually like making games, even though like as a kid, we like with, with our friends, we did some light programming and use some like Visual Basic and stuff like that to make some like small games and some text games and stuff like that. But it was like a kind of hobby for us. But then I went to the University of Oulu. Uh, actually, I did go to computer sciences. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like so, I said, everyone has their own progression. That is one yeah. of them. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't like like anything straightforward. So basically, I was there studying computer science. I thought I was going to go to, you know, make software, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and I really like started liking programming. Like one of my friends taught me, like I, he taught me in C first. And then I actually knew see pretty well when I went to the university already so I was well ahead of everybody else in the class most of the time and so I found it really easy to be there and and like kind of could kind of half-ass all the courses because <laughs> it was that enough. is dangerous well yeah, for me that yeah. was dangerous in university when I started half-assing yeah. stuff was when I failed classes because I was like well I know this first year went very very well I got a lot of a lot of points and then the second year went a bit worse and then the third year went yeah. really badly I, I kind of didn't do almost anything anymore and I had done all the courses that were interesting to me because in mm-hmm. uh, you could choose you know most of the things of course there's mandatory stuff like uh, oh yeah you have to learn Swedish in Finnish universities so yeah <laughs> that's a really common place where people drop out is they they don't want to learn Swedish oh yeah <laughs> but, but uh, I actually did pass my Swedish as well but, okay, good. <laughs> uh, but, but um, in the computer sciences uh, in in Oulu there was these uh, project courses so what the point was was that you'll actually go to a company and then work for them for one course uh, it was basically about maybe two two three months and then that's where you get your points from that kind of thing and the first one was just some software stuff but the project two was uh, for me was uh, I, I saw like the list and you can kind of try to get to a companies which have kind of decided to take part and then you can pick and which one you would like to go to and then I saw a game game company there well I was like whoa I, well that's the one of course I'm gonna pick and and that was a really small startup and they were making web-based learning games for kids super basic but games nevertheless so so i went there and they were using this kind of obscure thing it, it was called laszlo so it was kind of java and uh the, its own thing language but basically basically almost like java and it was very easy for me so i i kind of get on really well with those guys and they they then immediately wanted to hire me and I was there for for the next year and, and of course that, I guess for me because I had started learning program before the university and and kind of all that stuff made me kind of stand out in the company courses so I, I went to another one and it was very easy for me like I didn't even try and people were asking me to work for them oh. <laughs> so, so so I guess I, I did something right That's but, great. Uh, so you would have come out of university a little bit earlier than I did, I think, but it still was at a time where coming out of university and finding a job right away was not easy. Definitely. So that's great that you yeah, just fell right into it. Definitely. And, and there was actually uh, specifically in Oulu, Oulu is the city of Nokia and Nokia is from Oulu. So Nokia had gone downhill right at the time when I was in the university. So, you know, about 2006 and onwards, it, the mobile uh, side of Nokia, like Apple started to come and all that stuff. Uh, and Nokia was the main employer in the city. So kind of a lot of expectations before that time was that you would go to Nokia to work if you were a software engineer, at least. But that like already in the university when I was there, like I started in 2004, people were saying like, don't take the Symbian courses. That was the operating system and the kind of way you made software for Nokia phones specifically. Mm-hmm. Kind of the scuttlebutt was already kind of going around that maybe <laughs> it's not the way to go anymore. It's kind of funny thing about it afterwards, but 
Yeah. You were kind of already feeling like, well, it sounds like too, without knowing exactly what you wanted to do, you saw an opportunity to do something that felt interesting in the games industry. Definitely. By the way, I did drop out. (laughs) I I kind of stayed in the games industry and I I dropped out. I was almost uh, done with my bachelor's. I I did my Uh, the thesis and all that stuff, but then it's, I saw no reason to go back because yeah, I, you already but, had work you wanted to do yeah. that you were successful at. Yeah, I had like for a long time the feeling I should go back and finish it. But then, well, we, we can see how the thing, things went, but basically <laughs> never got the chance to do that. And, and then at some point I gave up. But but yeah, I'm kind of jumping forward. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> so go, going back. So the ne- next place was, well, I don't know if you want to go through through this, but there, there's a few interesting companies here. In yeah, we so. like to kind of get the full picture. I mean, tell us the kind of roles that shaped you and brought yeah. you to where you are today. Yeah, so definitely. So very important company was uh, Tuonela. So Tuonela is like this bird from the Finnish mythology. There's a underworld and all that stuff. But basically, it was a um, company founded by a, f- a friend of mine. I didn't know him back then, but he would become a friend of mine. You'll see out there. And it was a pure game company wanting to make cool PC games and basically they knew nothing about nothing <laughs> so, but uh, they wanted to make cool games but that was yeah. the extent okay yeah and and this is an interesting part about Finland in in that time was that there, there already were a few government kind of funding uh, instruments for games companies in in around 2007 2008 they stopped those and then they came back later but there was a, like this two three year window where you could actually get funding to found a game company in, in finland it wasn't a much it was like you know you get maybe maybe 10k or 15k or something like that uh, but basically but for their, it, you know starting costs <laughs> that is crazy so did it, it result in like what you're saying where people had these ambitions without necessarily the knowledge set to support them yep Okay, and, interesting. Yeah, and, and that this kind of came up in a way that when I went to my first, like I went to the interview first and, and the guy was super cool and, and seemed like like to be like the visionary type. So I, li- I liked him and, and then he was like, okay, you're, you're hired, but we can't really pay your salary. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so, yeah, so the, yeah they, they did pay something every now and then, but it, it wasn't oh. like a, <laughs> a real job in a, in a sense. I, I ended up being a part owner in the company instead, but... They had six people. Everybody was super into games and wanted to make games. So they, they had like an artist. They had two guys who could program a little bit. And then they had a the musician uh, guy and who could make music. So they basically had like they kind of, I guess, early elements of what you would need. But then I, I kind of saw what they were doing. And they, especially the programmers, like were very <laughs> early, early in their studies. So, so okay. I, I was. So you were able to come in and sort of like. Like impress people right away, I guess, for lack of a better. <laughs> yeah, way to so say so it. it was interesting that because the the guy Yussi had al- also made uh, some board games and and card games as well, designed and even got a few of them like made and produced into the end result. So they were making a browser version of this game where you kind of lay pipes and it's like super simple, but it was supposed to be like multiplayer web browser based game. And I saw the code and I was like, well, <laughs> this is not gonna work. It was pretty random and, and then I kind of fixed it and we got it to work and it was a working game, but it was never, there was no pipeline to actually get my, any money from it. Okay. <laughs> so, so there was a game, but. Built like, a game. Yeah, game browser game. But how, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, but I, I learned so much there. I was there actually three years. We ended up doing uh, one, uh, and, and this is a funny thing. We, we were doing this kind of massive card game basically it was idea was that it's a little bit like a board game it's based on cards back then there wasn't any kind of card based uh, game like multiplayer games like there are now like tons of those but people were actually laughing at us at some uh, events when we were telling about this we were making a card based pc game online <laughs> so but yeah it, it turned out not to be so stupid idea but we didn't yeah. <laughs> make I any say, money like i wonder where they are now because um yeah like hearthstone <laughs> legends of Terror. there's so many good card games now do you regret but not yeah, making it yeah uh, we we did actually make the game and it worked but it was a very weird time when so when uh sauna microsystems they were kind of supporting us uh especially towards the end and and they got bought 
uh, by Oracle, and and they kind of shut down the the project that we were based basing it on, so the backend server systems and all that stuff, and kind of things. It was possible maybe we could have continued, but at that point it was also difficult because we we were on, running out of money and all that stuff. But the game basically worked. It was like you could play it, and and it it was very interesting. <laughs> It's not basically what, worked is all, all you yeah, need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it was very, like, big learning time for me, like, uh, learning about, like, making games in general. The whole process, like, first time going through from the idea to actually making it and then, you know, playing it when it's kind of done and all that. So next one actually was a big thing for me. We I went to this company called Ludocraft. They're still around. They made first this this uh, Unreal mod uh, called Air Buccaneers. And then when I went there, we, we made a full full version for Steam of Air Buccaneers. It's it's there, I think it's still playable there, where, where you fly with air balloons, like ships with which are flying with air balloons and shoot cannons at each other. We were a little bit ahead of our time. It was uh, based on communication, so you had to actually use voiceover IP to kind of communicate so the ship would work because... You would have to have like the driver and the cannoneer and you, somebody would have to load the cannons and stuff like that. So so people weren't really using, it was around 2011. So people weren't talking with people they don't know on VoIP. Like nowadays, people talk to strangers in games. <laughs> that didn't yeah. happen like 2011. Like nobody would speak to anybody if they didn't know who they were. So, so that kind of flopped. And, <laughs> and they, they had to kind of let people go. So I left at that, that point and then and went for a little while to work on so just software development because there were no game development jobs around. But yeah, that that was the early career there and very interesting things. Like we were actually, I think, the first PC game that got through Steam Greenlight because when it was introduced first and you had to have like 100,000 likes or something like that on, on oh, Steam. Wow. Yeah, the that's Steam so never cool. actually published it, but they told us like it's a large number. <laughs> so, oh, that's so cool. An impressive number. So then how did you end up at Fingersoft? That was a interesting thing once again. I guess everything is <laughs> things are weird when you look at it you know, from I know. hindsight. All the hindsight. weird paths that had to connect in a specific yeah. way to lead you to where you are, right? Yeah, so so I was working uh, for this company that was making so we were using Unity, Unity 3D for um, non-gaming applications. So we were basically okay. making a, a software people would use to buy certain products and which have to be configured like, I don't know, so, so fast and stuff like that. But it was super boring for me. I was there for a year. I was kind of looking for a way out almost all of the time. Like I, I have to get back in the game <laughs> <laughs> because it was so boring. And then I saw this news that uh, in the local newspaper that there's this company in Oulu which has 100 million downloads on this game called Little Gun Racing. And I was like, well, that's where I need to go. Yeah, <laughs> like, go check like, it out. Yeah, definitely. And, and then I started asking around, like, who knows these guys? They some, Because it's only like always 100, 120,000 people or something like that. It, it's not a big place. So usually somebody knows some, like, well, somebody who knows. That's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. mm. so, so, but the story is even weirder because what the, ended up happening is that my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, is... Uh, she actually knew one of the kind of founding members of the company from oh, school. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, like, do you know anybody who might know this Temu guy? And, like, I know Temu. Oh, that's cool. So you had, like, kind of a, a decent yeah. in from the start. Yeah, so she just sent him a few, like, first time he didn't answer, then second time she was like, I have this really good programmer here that who would like to possibly get an in the interview. And then he was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> he can come in and and uh, and I got the job. So yeah, I I started as a backend programmer. So so that was the kind of way way in. <laughs> That's so good. And because you've had like several roles at Fingersoft since you've been there, like obviously yep. you're worked your way up from product owner to COO and acting CEO. Like how do they compare? Yeah, hugely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so the backend programmer gig, that was very interesting. And, and at the time, uh, this was like 2004. So, so the kind of problem I came in to solve was that we have this game, which has millions of daily players, and we would like to show them ads. 
which was fine. Like you already had kind of the ad technology existing, but there wasn't what we call mediators nowadays who will kind of, so if you have a large volume, you can have a lot of these different ad, ad kind of companies showing ads. And we really need to have a technology to kind of control all of that. And there wasn't really like any good, if you went to the internet to Google it, you couldn't find any any solutions back then. There, there wasn't really like a scalable way of doing these things, which was like well known. And um, so kind of started tinkering and we, we ended up finally kind of solving it and getting it to work really well. It was a really cool thing to do, be doing something that you can't just Google and <laughs> do. <laughs> Uh, it's it's always for anybody who's like an engineer and you couldn't figure out a lot from Google, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always the running joke that you just go to Google with programmers and, and kind of you, you <laughs> there's more to it. It's it, pretty far. The information like that's available now. It's it's making things much 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 easier. Uh, but, but yeah, so so that was the first job. Uh, but very quickly, I became the product owner. And what that meant is that I started pushing myself that when I saw that, okay, th- we can't really operate this thing. There's so many opportunities and we can do so much more, but it's just me and one other guy. It's very difficult to do this stuff with just the two of us. So so I started pushing that we need more people. We, and by the way, we I was the 12th employee we didn't have any marketing. We didn't have most of the things you would think a company would have. We didn't have any of those. So it was just a bunch of guys and making the game and doing the you know, other stuff we need. We had one one person in customer support <laughs> handling all of those millions of people. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's mad. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We still have probably most efficient customer support people ever. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that's... You know, it's just like you've been in a C-suite role, like it's been like five years and yep. we have to read about, like, you know, senior execs and they can become disengaged with their audience, which isn't like a, um, yeah. a criticism. It's just that, you know, you have other priorities and you unfortunately just don't have the same amount of time to stay engaged with the, the community. like. What do you do? How do you like yeah. keep in touch with your player base? Yeah, that's a very good question. And, it, and it's interesting as well. I, I see, see, like I've met a lot of executives over the years and, and met people. And it, the way, way I've been working and the way we work is, seems to be very different. I kind of, I, I guess I have to a little bit expre- explain about how we work. So we only have, we call team-based organizations. So we only have teams and then it, there's me. So basically, we don't have any kind of structure in between or anything like that. So the teams are super independent. So each team, like let's say Hillcom Racing 2 or whatever, they handle the product, they make all the decisions, how they make the game. And it's like the team has pretty much full control of that. And then my job is more like to help them in anything they need. It's more, more I would say like, what's the term? I think they use the, the some term these days for for kind of modern leadership where you're more like a like helping. a flat hierarchy kind of or yeah of course flat hierarchy but I mean yeah. like specifically the type of leadership it is because it's much more about helping and uh, like Certain enabling leader. them to do things than not mm. rather than any kind of like top down things but mm. but whatever it, it doesn't matter but I don't the know the word for it yeah. but I like the sound of it <laughs> yeah the the point being. Every day, almost, I'm in contact with the team leads, and I see what's going on. We use Slack, uh, so I see what's going on, and all the like, what support is talking about. Of course, there's I don't go to every channel. There's probably like 200 mm-hmm. channels, <laughs> but, but I, I'm kind of pretty well versed all the time on what's going on and what the players are saying. Of course, when you have uh, like millions of daily players, it's there's like endless amounts of information and feedback, and we have like I think 60,000 discord like members on discord on hill oh, wow. gosh so, and, and there's one community manager luckily he has a lot of volunteers helping <laughs> so yeah, it we, sounds like you're very like you still you're in this leadership role but you're still very engaged with the player base and with the teams yeah it's and i i do interviews with the team leads we really like this and i i specifically myself i've been pushing i think for this model as well in our companies like we do things small while doing them big i don't know if that makes okay. sense but basically small things small mm-hmm. teams doing big things because it's just possible these days you don't need to have huge amount of people to do cool things 
because more yeah. people always make things more complicated. It's like, yeah. you know how it is with communication or everything like that. It's, it feels almost like exponentially going in, even from like, we are now 83 people. So going mm. from 12 to 80, it's, it's insane how much things change with yeah. communication. And like, yeah. so, but, but I, I, I kind of, my, my philosophy is always try to talk as much as I can to all the teams and all the other people that are in the teams as well and, and mm. get a feel of what's going on and try to help where it kind of makes more sense. And yeah. of course my benefit is because I've been like developing myself so long. It's uh, also that I know most of the stuff like they go through. So it's mm-hmm. not completely like somebody is coming in who doesn't know what's going on and, and trying mm-hmm. to tell you like, you have to change this and that. <laughs> that is a really good point. Like you have, you have done most of the roles that you're managing. So you really have a thorough understanding, you know, of exactly what they're doing and what their, their hands on day to day is like. Yeah. Art, mm-hmm. art yeah. is the only side I, I I can't draw anything, but like stick figures is, <laughs> is a challenge. <laughs> well, but I'm just saying, I think it sounds great though, like what you guys have done. Like it's important to maintain like agility, right? Like small teams. Yeah. I think when there's too many opinions as well, especially in like a creative environment, you naturally, it, conflict yeah. can be good for creation, but ultimately you have to make a decision. And I think sometimes you lose that agility and that decisiveness when you yeah. have too many opinions. Our company is very democratic, I would say, and very open. And we've always been, it's more, been more like like a community or something like that than, than a company where, where you just come to work. So for us, it's been like, we talk about the funnel stuff later, but it's been always even difficult to do even, even basic bureaucracy and stuff like that, which you do need at some point, at some level. <laughs> just because of uh, <laughs> so many people doing so many things if there's no rules at all then it's gonna be a madhouse yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah yeah it's that whole challenge of like creativity versus process like there yeah. has to be a compromise i was gonna ask you actually like and we have this and now i hope i pronounced this correctly is it a paja am i pronouncing that it's on your uh, it's on uh, your site and i was just like yes it's crazy because we have so many it like amazing it does look insane and it's we have these finished devs who come on and <laughs> there's something about the finnish dev community that is so different to a lot of other dev communities in that you're such a family and yeah. we've heard a lot of people from finnish devs say you know, we really do communicate across different dev studios with competitors um, and everything's about shared learning. What makes yep. it so unique and special for you, like as part of that community? These days it's already like so, so ingrained that it's difficult to even think about a, a get, like industry where it w- wouldn't be like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, like I know people who work in completely different industries and they're like, you can't even talk to somebody from another company. It's like Jeez. totally yeah. like forbidden. And, and even in games in some countries, it's like that. But it's for me personally, of course, it's about the people mostly because then, you know, you meet and, and know so many people and it makes games are such a specific thing. They're partly art, partly like engineering. There's like so many so much stuff that goes into it that I've always felt like there's no really possibility of kind of stealing something of course you can steal like code or stuff like specific things yeah. but like ideas and because even if you would have somebody's like design for a game a different team will make a different game it, that's exactly right <laughs> so, yeah so, even if two people had the exact same idea at the same time yeah and the same like game pitch it just yeah two, you're going to create something different you're totally right of course, wasn't always so. It's IGDA Finland, which which kind of mm-hmm. I think made it happen. And Neo Games and and this kind of Finland is the is a country for these non profits or it's called RY in Finnish, uh, which means like non profit organization. Where like there's tons and tons of those. There's like I don't know probably two million of those in Finland. And there's only like six million people in the country. Wow, that's crazy. Everybody. There's there's one one for everything you can imagine. So, wow. so so that kind of basis of having these organizations which are trying to improve things on whatever they like. It might be something from I don't know cats to game industry 
Um, My very bad cat is walking by right this moment. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure cat. there are tons of different cat-related cat organizations. Uh, organizations, yeah. It sounds like it would make going to work every day so fun, like because you have, you know, you have your team at Fingersoft that you, I'm assuming, enjoy spending mm. time with every day. But you also have this broader community of um, people who are creative and working in the same industry and that sounds so fun do you miss it like with covid and yeah um yeah <laughs> yeah it's mostly a lot yeah it's it's the events are the best part of course when you kind yeah, of yeah god we're up here in the... we would be missing conferences <laughs> i miss conferences so much <laughs> yeah i was so fed up with those like i was traveling so much before mm. covid and then not, now like, i'm assuming yeah i was gonna um, say i still don't I, don't I still don't miss them to be honest really <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming no, what were we both yeah, in but... Pocket Gamer Helsinki. Did you do that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been our one of the standard ones, of course, because it's yeah. so easy to go to. But yeah, also London one, and then um, mm. I think pretty much every every last five years we've been into uh, San Francisco. Yeah, for GDC. For GDC. Yeah, yeah. And, and then Gamescom. I miss the people, right? Like I miss yeah. catching up with my friends because it's weird, isn't it? But like everyone's so busy working on like different projects across different yeah. studios sometimes even if you've got your close friends you only get a chance to catch up with them actually at these conferences yep. and yeah. i love i really miss like drinking with them yeah but yeah, and, you know yeah. the digital versions are so bad that it's almost kind <laughs> of it's everyone said it though like everyone we've spoken to obviously we don't enough i know it's not a hot take is it yeah. unless any conference organizers <laughs> are listening in which yeah, case we love your fantastic. conferences of course yeah they're cool well they're the best yeah. so awkward where do we go it's just do you know what it is yet like i get it with the events industry right like it's, it's obviously having massive challenges and the hospitality industry and I suppose it's very hard to comprehend because we are in like this really lucky bubble of individuals who work in an industry, which is actually growing despite COVID. But, you know, like I think we went to sponsor a digital event and it it was the same cost as in person, but there was only 100 people attending. And it was kind of like, God, compared to a footfall of thousands, like it's the same cost. It was just quite hard to take. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, I did uh, like a company intro it was more like a recruitment event uh, that was that that wasn't too bad but yeah. I, it's not really like it's more like you go there you do your thing and you close the window and <laughs> yeah unfortunately yeah yeah, so, so. yeah yeah they're not like that it's like a quick like disclaimer um if <laughs> like we honestly it's not like like love events like they're amazing yeah. but um the road show like does get exhausting traveling like multiple continents across the year like you can just because you feel like you have to be at all of them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like past two years, I've been lot to China as well. And actually, I feel like Shanghai has been fairly easy for me, at least. It doesn't feel like I get really bad jet lag for some reason. Mm. I think it's like the time difference is, I think, eight hours. So it's just, and it starts from the evening, kind of. So you're there early in the morning, so you kind of get actually some sleep in the plane. But, God, I but actually, like I just realized that I kind of missed, I kind of missed jet lag, like that whole <laughs> just mess of travel and like being exhausted and being like disoriented and in a new place. I kind of miss it. I kind of miss the jet lag. Yeah. Why don't we talk about the game development funnel? And I know that's like a podcast in itself, but it sounds really interesting. And I think kind of speaks to this overall community support that the Finnish yep. game community seems to have for each other. And this is very personal to me as well. It's kind of my thing. I I, I worked on it for half a year. Of course, I always say it's not really, it's more like I put things together which were already there. So I, I guess to start with first, first kind of have to understand where it came from. Uh, and that that's to do with how we were making, we made Hill Commerce in 1 and Hill Commerce in 2. And our whole studio is kind of been focused on those games. And we didn't really have anything else going on at the time. Like we make this game, then we make this game. So it's like one at a time type of thing. Mm -hmm. Then kind of we got to a point where, okay, now we have these games. They're profitable. They're doing well. We can kind of live ops them. They work and we can kind of grow them. But they're not really like you don't put more people in there, like at least like a lot. And you don't. 
it's not like dramatic. It's more like this gradual thing where you kind of always develop the game and always try to make it better. So naturally, like the, this drive comes from everybody. They want to make new games as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if you've been working on this game for four years or five years or something, of course, you want to do something else as well. So uh, everybody who was long term working on those and myself included, like start feel like we want to do something else as well. Uh, so we, we started figuring out like, so how do we start making new games? Because the track was so clear before that it was like, we have this awesome big success. It works. We know what to do, but then what, what next? So we first tried to do it in a way that we got a few more people and then kind of just, uh, let some people off from the hill climb racing teams. And then they could start making some new games. It wasn't based on an idea of a game. It was more like, okay these guys can start <laughs> working on something new. And that kind of was very difficult. It's not that people don't have ideas. People have tons of ideas. and But then they always like prototype, prototype, prototype. Nothing goes forward. And, and it's kind of how, how to decide what to do and where to go and which project should be in full production. And, mm-hmm. and all, all these kind of questions started popping up. And, and then we, we realized we, we have to somehow codify this like in some kind of form but the problem is is the, with these kinds of things that the creative process in the early section is very hazy and it's supposed to be like that i don't think you can make it like a process it's not supposed to be a process it's more like you try things you have ideas you maybe have some research you never know how you come up with the cool thing you actually want to make so you don't want to make it a process well what what do you actually do so so then i i started doing these small workshops in the company that with the developers, like, what do you do when you want to make a new game? How do you come up with ideas? What should we do together to enable us to come up with cool ideas? And how do we validate and how do we kind of figure out which ones are the best or things like that? And it was very like slow and and difficult thing to get somewhere because it's so hazy. But after a while, kind of, it started to form up into this, and the funnel name comes from just the form of a funnel that you have a lot of stuff and then kind of filters down and then you get something, only a few things which come out because there's there's always much more idea, many more ideas than there are capability to actually make those. So so I, I run a lot of like workshops. I had some consultants helping me with the kind of making out how to filter this down into something because I wanted to have like a super simple way of communicating this to everybody and and then having only the relevant things and not make it like a rule book or anything like that it's it's supposed to be more like uh guidelines and and tips and helpful things and and then that's the kind of basis for it but yeah then then, yeah (laughs) and uh, so and of course there's I was actually looking at the deck, but <laughs> it, it helps that. me to remind kind of talk you, about this. Reminding yeah. you of all your great work. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, well, I think creativity needs collaboration. No matter how good your idea is, you need to be able to talk to people about it to yes, fully develop my, it. Say that Say that to Mozart, you know? I... <laughs> how do we know Mozart didn't collaborate? Yeah. Do you know, Luke? <laughs> I know, me and Mozart that, that, go way back, I mean. Yeah. Okay. But that's actually not a, not a bad point. Like it's um, this old school hero thing, which, which is very common in games yeah, industry. Yeah, that's interesting, and, yeah. And we, we had that as well, like hero developers who would come in and save the day type of thing. And that was one of the aspects that developers found that it's not a good thing. It's, mm-hmm. of course, it's great that we have really good talented developers, but it's not the point of somebody is making something by themselves. It's, it's the product is going to be better if you have a team who yeah, works on so it, you can make much bigger and cooler things. So. So that was uh, one one important kind of aspect of the whole thing is that we're kind of trying to help people form teams and help people work on things together because the tendency is, at least in Finland, people are quite often happy to work by themselves. It's, it's a really, okay. I don't know if it's a, might be an engineer thing as well, but because you have your own cool thing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, like if you ask people, everybody has some project they want to work on. We can't be making like 40 games. We have to pick something that we work on. So, so how to do it in a way which so that people don't get offended and you and, and you can't make a good team. I, I, I at least I believe that 
you don't force people you kind of find a way where people want to work on that yeah so it's a cool yeah. thing that that what you just said you know like is creating something that people want to work on i think that's so obviously you have to have like very good diplomatic skills to be able to do that which i imagine you have you sound like you have very good diplomatic skills <laughs> oh. um but yeah i do think that like not making it about the individuals because it is a hundred percent about collaboration because obviously even people away from video games and working we do so much better when we collaborate than when there's conflict but you do need like someone to come up with that that idea you know like someone often it's someone who has an idea or a project they're like that we should do this and everyone's like oh my god Let's do that. And everyone, because the person who has the idea often isn't the best person to implement in said idea. They need people to develop or draw or artists. And that's when I think projects are at their best. And it sounds incredible that you guys have actually created this process yeah, to and, do that. Uh, and I didn't know it would actually work. I, I kind of thought that there's all the things that you need in there and it comes from the developers. So I didn't make it, make it up like myself. Of course, there's a lot of my philosophy and my thinking, like how, how I work things, you know? <laughs> yeah. but the, the kind of fundamental values and all that, of course, that's already in the company, the way we think mm. it, it's, I guess there's ways to change values of a company, but I think it's usually means changing the people who work there. So it's usually yeah. like, you're right. The values the are culture. sort of intrinsic to the people and yeah, you, a company can't change them. All they can do is articulate them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's like the way we kind of found the structure is that there's a first phase, which is the hazy one, and that's called tinkering. And and that term actually comes from I, re I was was reading some book, and there was a section about 3M, you know, the tape and tape manufacturer. Mm -hmm. They they make mm -hmm. everything. Basically, they they had this process of tinkering already, like uh, probably in the 80s or something, where where they would have allow people to if they had an idea they would give you like you go pitch it and then they would give you like 10k or something go into your garage and you know make something and and i was like well that's what it is in the very early phase where you don't know what it is it's tinkering mm -hmm. <laughs> so i i mm -hmm. kind of fell in love with the with the word itself and i people, like that word too yeah. i actually wrote it down because i like that word so much <laughs> like just for whatever creative field you're in whatever you're creating this stage of just like playing around with the idea and yeah. seeing what you can do. Definitely. And so, and the concept was already there, but the name was something else I don't remember anymore, but mm. clearly this, this term worked. I, I always like Tinkering. names, yeah, names have a lot of power. It, it's I do. <laughs> you, I'm always thinking about that when, when you make any kind of new thing or new system or, or whatever, I always think very carefully, like what is the name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Spirited but, yeah. Away? I was just going to say, cause it's about the power of names. Um, oh, yeah. oh, the whole thing is, yeah. And someone has their name taken from them and yeah. because they don't have a name, they have like, they have to get their name back. Yeah. But it's amazing. You should watch it. Okay. And also, uh, came to mind that, uh, have you read the creative ink? Mm -mm. Okay. I'm writing Pixar. that down too. Yeah. About Pixar. Uh, so, but that, that's, an awesome book it's about like how pixar came to be before disney bought it of course i don't know what it is now but mm -hmm. but like the early days but that that's super like cool book and there's tons about how they figured out how to do best organized creative company in a way where the ideas are the things which we're kind of bringing up and not trying to own things and and it's like people have this tendency wanting to say that I came up with this and I like yeah. try to own things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm so, so, so bad at that. I'm the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know what though, Luke? You always give credit to other people for their ideas too, which is yeah, yeah I do. You know, I mean, yeah. like honestly, and I think the heart of it is actually implementing the idea than coming up with the idea. And yeah, I think that's, that's just natural, natural <laughs> thing. I'm so <laughs> bad at that. <laughs> yeah. I, even yeah. my girlfriend, my girlfriend hates that I do that. Like anything, if I've thought of it, I'm like, oh my God, you're literally telling me what I told you. <laughs> like, <laughs> and she gets yeah. so angry because she's like, you can't just claim these as ideas. They're just like, <laughs> they're just <laughs> like, you're like, we should have chicken for dinner. And she's like, okay, let's have chicken. And you're like. I just said that. That was my idea. <laughs> I'm like, God, think of your own dinner. Like. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm so bad. It is something I need to work on, like a hundred percent. Sorry, sorry. Please, like, sorry. No, 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 okay, well, uh, but that's, we're all a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, it never ends. Well, someday, but hopefully, like until the end here. Learning. <laughs> my, my my grandfather lived to be like ninety four, I think, and he, he was That's saying great. like, and he was fully like there, like almost to the end, and he was saying like at ninety or something. Like it does. It's not that you grow up in your head. It's like just your your body gets oh, old. No. Yeah, <laughs> I, I already that. feel that. I like I when that. I see my face looking older than it did when I was sixteen. It's confusing to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're adult and you're actually making some money, you can do cool things. Like I, I build drones and stuff. Now. <laughs> I know. Oh, wicked. Yeah. That's that amazing. My, my kids all the time because like being an adult is super fun because you actually like have money to do all the cool things that you wanted to do when yeah. you were a kid. <laughs> yeah, but, but then you yeah. have to be at work most of the time. I know. Yeah, they don't realize yeah. that. Yeah, like you, they go for fifty hours a week to actually enjoy yourself, and then by the weekend yeah. you're so tired you just want to. Like, oh god. <laughs> oh dear. But, yeah. Um a few few more things about the funnel so so just like a quick overview so first you tinker then it's about the team and the communication so okay. uh we have these kind of questions that like we ask that uh, can i get other people excited about this mm-hmm. so that's the kind of thing and then it's about fun and technology so does it actually work like if we play it in the company and you know does it work is it fun all that stuff then it goes to player feedback and then it goes to business and monetization and then it goes to community and growth mm-hmm. so it's kind of quite straightforward now, now that it's done it's like oh that makes sense yeah but yeah it, it honestly sounds it's, like a good process for any creative <laughs> endeavor yeah it might be might be yeah <laughs> but yeah i've been like uh, looking forward to actually maybe at some point when the events are back I, i'll probably do like a bit about this specifically because it's yeah it would be interesting to get other people's take on uh, like how they see it it's i think it's a great shout yeah it's endorsed by the game dev show i would say (laughs) yeah (laughs) cool and it's your idea like honestly i would run with that first uh, (laughs) honestly i'm gonna go back i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna be like guys i've had this great idea for process um creativity (laughs) it's a really it's a really good process i like it i have easy management 101 lesson for you it's that you always say i didn't come up with this this is your idea and then (laughs) (laughs) gotta give credit where credit is due yeah i don't know i think that's why like (laughs) but yeah yeah people people bought it much easier once they made this cool thing yeah and they then they did they did yeah yeah i think it's fantastic i think it's something we should try and implement like everyone should try and implement you know you know with your new process with the funnel obviously we've been on your website and been doing research when will we see the first outcome of that new funnel i'm pretty sure it's not gonna be this year but next year I would, I would okay. like uh, be on the lookout somewhere in the, you know, first half maybe of next year. So okay. <laughs> hopefully okay. I, I don't want to speak too That's much awesome. because <laughs> the way we work is that the teams set, set their own kind of timelines and they, they figure out when they get things done and then we just support them. And I don't have any kind of, I always say like, I don't have power over your timelines. You set the timeline and then I can, of course, ask you like, well, why isn't it done? You set the timeline, but, (laughs) but, but but yeah, that's the kind of idea because they know how to make the games. And I, I found that when you make people do it themselves and figure out these things, it's as much, or if not more pressure for them because nobody else said it so you can't say that <laughs> you know that was one of the first management lessons i learned is i had a boss that would always like we'd come up with an idea and they would like you know agree to the idea and then if i said you know how much time do i have to get it done they would say when can you get it done um so like you let people set the timeline they'll give you a timeline yeah. and then they're more likely to care about adhering to that timeline versus if you give them one yeah mm-hmm. That's such a good idea, you know, because I don't do that. Oh. I'm just like, you know. Have like, I done that know. to you before, Luke? I do that to oh, yeah, everyone. Yes. Um, when can you get it to me? Do you know what's weird? I don't think you've ever asked me for anything. And I don't think that's a probably a good thing either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a good thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're probably like, oh, that's never going to get done. It's quite funny because you talk about management and things. I was just thinking of like last year, I was managing like 15 people indirectly, but this year my roles changed quite a bit. 
And I think from in about four weeks time, I'll be managing no one. I'm just, and it's just, I've just slowly you feel a seen like. Bit sad? No, I can't. I think like you know, I'm one of those kids who plays well alone. Um, but mm. yeah. <laughs> Might be like a, like a burden of the soldiers as well. I, I sometimes dream about the day I don't have so many people there. Tell us about the Finnish game scene because. Do you know what's crazy is how focused it is on like mobile app and game development. And it's like, but it's very, very mobile. Is, why is that? Yeah, that's a common question people ask. And it's, yeah. I think the current theory is that it's mostly Nokia. So so because Nokia was such a huge, it was the biggest company in Finland at the time. And, and there were so many engineers, just literally like tens of thousands of engineers working on, on mobile that kind of bled into the, the industry, other industries after after Nokia kind of fell down because they, they actually had uh, quite good packages like uh, in the beginning when, when things started going badly, you could get money for founding new companies and you could get money for... <laughs> so everyone was just, everyone's founding mobile, <laughs> mobile yeah. devs for the golden parachute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, they, they made a deal, I, I think, with the government or something like that where the idea was to try to help found as many companies as possible, try to get people to get new jobs and stuff like like all oh, that's that because it's a small country. So the, this is a huge impact when you're kind of having your biggest company mm-hmm. cut down quite a lot. And that started a lot of companies. And then the universities also, like I was telling before, that there was a program for games companies specifically. It was a small mm-hmm. one, I think. The Tuonela company I worked for, that, that was one of the, I think, 15 companies that got started by that program. So you could get a small small amount wow. of money to start the company. And then and of those, I think maybe two are still left, but then second and third generation companies are still like, I, I sometimes feel like Fingersoft is it, not directly like a second generation company, but we have a lot of people who were in one of those companies. So, okay. so you get this effect where... The, all these learnings are going into new companies and things are going, going. But of course, I, I have to give credit to Remedy, Housemark. Those are console PC companies. Uh, you know, probably know them, of course, like Control, mm. Remedy. So, so they've upkept our game development culture in Finland. But th- those are kind of the AAA style studios where there's not that much interaction, especially back then. It was like it's everywhere else that. These people don't really talk to each other, not like nowadays. And nowadays they do. I know a lot of people from Housemark, for example, uh, really cool people. But but then I would say uh, Angry Birds and Rovio was the big thing. Like we yeah. could see that, oh, you can actually make it. And mobile is much easier to develop. You don't need a lot of capital. Now I would say you probably do, but back then you could just, you know, do it by yourself, basically, mm. or a few, few people. and. The problems have moved, haven't they? Like the challenges for mobile have almost moved from ease of access. The access is basically still the same, but it's actually now visibility. And yeah. that I think it's all, it's weird how visibility actually used to not be a problem, but an opportunity because obviously it's mobile. Yeah. Whereas now visibility is a challenge because it's mobile. And it's so, yeah. Steam has the same thing. Like PC indie yeah, scene yeah. has a completely same thing. And it's all any content like, it doesn't matter which music games it's there's just abundance of content everywhere and mm. it's very difficult to find things you like well i guess music spotify owns the home thing so yeah but if you're a musician trying to get your music being heard and actually make money uh, wait and see yeah I'm, I'm quite worried about uh, the trends where you have apple arcade where that looks like a spotify to me like mm. you go there and then Apple controls what you get. Yeah. You don't get any say into what you get anymore. So, well, of course, yeah. if you're big enough, you might get, but that that's kind of very some from development kind of studio and especially independent one where a lot of mobile spaces, well, now it's, it's kind of consolidating, but ourselves, we like to be private and we like to do our own thing. So mm. our kind of studios at least <laughs> don't really like that kind of trends, but yeah. <laughs> it's scary <laughs> though. It is scary. Yeah. I think, um, there is a theme that comes up quite often is um, the saturation of the market. And it's just a concern, isn't it? Like, in some ways, could it be an inevitability that we end up in the same space as music? 
Um, film has kind of avoided it in some ways, but then TV hasn't with Netflix. And with the cinema on COVID, it's kind of compounded the problem of streaming services. But at the same time, it's almost like a savior at the moment because HBO, for example, can launch their films on their own streaming platform. I was going to ask you about, <laughs> so I read your comment on uh, Pocket Gamer. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously like the notorious uh, Diablo Immortal announcement. Yeah. Um, and bless, uh, I can't remember his name now, but bless the guy who did the announcement. Um, I felt so, I, I just felt for him because I, you know, that comment, have you guys got phones? I mean, I'm sure like, you know, the mobile devs were like, yes, they do. Um, <laughs> I just felt for him, right? And it was, it was very interesting to see like Blizzard make that move, but not overly surprising given mobile's growth. I mean, how does that like ripple throughout the industry? Does it create validity for the mobile platform as a genuine gamer platform or does it compound the scrutiny that mobile titles can carry with them that they can be a cash grab? I mean, which way does it go? Well, firstly, I, I think we're kind of well past the point where it actually is a gaming platform because there's so many games that are played competitively in, in the mobile space and it's like very serious stuff for a lot of people. But I get the point like that the big AAA IPs and coming to mobile, I think it's going to be a thing in the next few years. I, I don't think any any kind of studio owner can resist that. When you look at the kind of uh, how revenue is kind of shared between different game industry kind of sections, it's just no way that they're not going to want to be there. And, and of course, there are some already. And also mm-hmm. like Genshin Impact was kind of showing that if you do it right, you can make an awesome game where it's also like mobile and, and console and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. I, I think done right, of course, it, it will make things better. I would like to play a great Diablo game on, on mobile, like, mm-hmm. of course. But uh, of course, if you do it badly, then <laughs> that's always. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I agree. By the way, like I think mobile is like yeah, it's an incredible platform already. I guess you just get those. You do get people who are skeptical about having. A, I suppose what you call like almost like a an original player experience or like yeah. a more archaic player experience. It will yeah, be interesting to see. I've always like I know our developers think about this a lot as well, where the ways, like for example, monetization and all work on mobile and how like premium games we, we call pay first and play late end games. It's a very interesting balance now that people just don't buy premium games on mobile. Of course, the market is still, but it's tiny compared to the free to play. And that's an interesting thing. How would that break? And if it breaks, like what will happen? And at least, you know, so far, things like Apple Arcade haven't looked like they, they there's cool games there. And, and of course, they're made in us like specifically for that thing. But I, I think there there are big things moving right now with all the like, for example, Apple and Google and all the antitrust stuff. And it feels like things are changing where I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah, it's the million dollar question, isn't it? I think it's mad how in 10 years, you know, like back in the day, like in-game, paying for in-game, like customization on a premium yeah. title, you've just spent like 50, 60 pounds on, or yeah. like, you know, 70, $80. <laughs> and then like, it was just outrage. And especially when people were like data mining or finding code already on the disc. So when you yeah. paid for that seven pound DLC, it was yeah, literally I, <laughs> just yeah, like, the content. So yeah. oh, I was so bad, but you look at it now, and you look at loot boxes and with premium games, this is because you've already paid your like 50, 60 quid and yeah. it's homogenized and standardized to the point where people were just like, yeah, like, yeah. that's how, I mean, sometimes it's done quite badly, like Battlefront. Yeah, and I have but, friends who play like, let's say yeah. FIFA, they spent like 2,000 euros oh, on it or something. Yeah, it's mad, like, isn't it? FIFA I love team, FIFA yeah. and I, I put the money in and I don't care. So, yeah, so it's, it's and of course there's like you know Angry Joe or something like that, which are raging about the, these kinds of things. And I find it fascinating where you have the old school and then you have the new consumers who have they always seen this since they were kids and they 
they feel like this is just like normal thing to buy digital things. And I, I remember seeing it first time and I was like thinking, this is mad. Like, why would I mm. pay for something digital after I have the game or whatever? So, but now yeah. I, well, that's what I do for a living. Yeah. So. But that, you know what's <laughs> crazy though? It's the other way around. Like, you know, these mobile games that are free, but you play them for hundreds of hours right? And you don't spend mm. a penny. You're like, because it's a choice because the game's free. Like that's why it works so well with mobile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just one, one comment is that our philosophy and my, mine has always been, we try to make the games in a way that you can play it. We, we don't really lock down pretty much any, uh, I would say almost any content and not at least anything that is important. So, because we, we've always felt that long term, it's a better solution to kind of not be so aggressive and then people stay for longer and it seems to work for us really well so yeah just make good games and you know let's just make good games (laughs) they're fun and then people will have fun doing them yeah and they'll want to do more fun and don't put loot boxes in them um but yeah Um, okay let's end well um (laughs) on just like a okay a moment of retrospect and a moment of hope so what's something is there a moment in your career that you're particularly proud of and what do you hope to do in the future? I think I probably have to say the launch of Hillcom Racing 2 because that was the one where, so so we started making the game and we were super, we didn't know how it would end up like making a sequel to a huge hit in the first place. It's scary as hell. And then the project was very difficult. It took like, almost two years and 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 even to the last month before the launch we we didn't really like it fell together just at last moment okay now it feels like it's there and then when we launched it was like huge success it was insane and we had some technical issues but it worked and it still works like i've done some analysis with google for example recently and they they were like looking at it they rarely see games which work for players stay for this long and they, mm-hmm. they come back so often. And it's, I think we've really, really managed to nail the core thing of there. Like what is Hillcrown Racing? How does it work? And how, why is it fun? So that, that was, I was really, really happy about that. Okay. So what's next? I guess it kind of ties into the funnel thing because I kind of got the whole thing rolling and got people on board and they're now, now yeah. people are kind of, repeating that stuff there and they believe it. it's it's a weird feeling when something like that is taken into use and it's kind of scary as well of course yeah. it's like, you're like eh, maybe it works maybe it doesn't but of course i've been telling them that, that the whole way that well maybe it works maybe it doesn't but then if it doesn't we'll fix it and do something else but there's now games in production which are from kind of that background and and so so we'll see how things go and and we also tweaked our internal models, uh, how the teams are built. And and I've kind of advocated the way it works now. It's kind of, we don't put people in the projects. People have to apply for the project. And, and if, if we don't get enough people from the in, inside the company, then we get people from outside the company. So there are only people who really want to work on that specific game in the project and nobody else. So my hope and idea is that this is the way you make the coolest game. So we will see. I have to wait a year or year so. Oh, well, I hope you're right. And I think I like that your answer for what do you hope to do in the future is basically contribute to the industry as a whole and yeah. to more than just your own ideas and IP. I that's Definitely. I've, like, that's my main thing. It's always been like helping people make cool games and, that's awesome. of course, talk about cool games and play cool games. And like, yeah. I'm all about games. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. good answer. <laughs> well, I think we wrap it up there. Thank you for being our guest. This was really fun. Yeah, super fun. It was great. Absolute pleasure. All right. Episode something of season two. In the books, Kaylee Hurst and Luke Greenaway, your friends and hosts. And I want a third thing. Friends, hosts, and... Tinkerers. Tinkerers. Podcast tinkerers. It's Friday. Um, It's Friday for us. Mm. For the listener. It could be any time. Yeah, this could be coming to you from the future. It's not. Bill. Luke, what was your favorite part of that episode? You know that the PC console developer publisher coming into the mobile space, it's been happening for a long time now, but it's just interesting to hear his thoughts because we've never asked the mobile dev that. Mm. What do they actually think it means? And 
the plat- mobile platform always always going to have validity. It had that for years now as an actual true gamers platform. But there are always going to be skeptics out there. There's actually quite a lot of people who are skeptical. So it's, I liked hearing his response to that. The other thing I really enjoyed was his process-driven tinkering. Um, well, tinkering was part of his process trip drive. It's great that they've actually said, look, this is how we do ideas. Uh, this is, We get people behind them. We covered a lot. What about you? What did you think? Tinkering. Tinkering. Just tinkering for me. You're a big tinker. You love I'm a tinker to, all day. Loves to tinker. <laughs> all day, all night. I don't think you can do this in the UK. In the US, you can get a novelty license plate that where you like pick what it says. Where you yeah, we can. Yeah. yeah, we can. Oh, okay. Can. Yeah. Okay, well, mine's going to be loves, L-U-V-S, mm. number two. Tinker. And I might have to abbreviate Tinker. Do you know what's so funny is, you know, when we speak about the UK and the US, sometimes I think you think we live in castles and we go around on horses. <laughs> Don't you? Sometimes Where you is say, your horse, Luke? You, You've never even shown you me guys, your horse. You guys, you guys have bottled water? You don't have a well? Sorry. I'm Probably just because you say schedule instead of schedule. I do. I say schedule. <laughs> schedule? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> schedule. It's so cute. All so. right. We, okay. Sorry. As your two podcast hosts that yes. are always down to tinker. Clearly um, We are signing off. Yeah. Um, we have to tell you that any thoughts, opinions that were made oh, on yeah. today's show are those of the guests, Kaylee and I. If you would like to reach out to us, um, talk to us about tinkering, what you tinker. If you're down to tinker, yeah. game dev show at ptw.com if you Thank want you. to email us. Thank you. And um, GG. GG. You too. Game over.